Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Monday, April 27th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. It's important for us to keep sharing our experience and ideas. I know the stories help Lawrence Mm -hmm. and I. I know that they're helping some of you. So please, we love hearing them. Email us or better yet, record a one to two minute voice memo and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com or just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with your friends, colleagues, you know, your college professor, (laughs) your RA (laughs) maybe, or your um, second cousin who joined the military. These are human stories. We want these stories to be heard. Again, they help us. We know that they're helping you guys, and it doesn't matter who you are, you're human. As we know, as producers, storytelling helps people come closer. It connects people. Also, rate the shows. It helps the algorithms. Like us. (laughs) (laughs) Like us. Christian, today we're chatting with, uh, we have a great interview, actually, we did with an amazing director named Don Broida. I know. And he shined his hope little flashlight uh, hope, on us. <laughs> hope ray gun on us and made us made us all. It little, was so uh, good. And I was very excited that it was that it airs today because it's Monday and starting. I've counted. I think that we're walking into week seven, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. it, hope we all can use a little hope right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Lawrence, Definitely. you're back in L.A. that I see. Yes, How I am. was uh, your couple days apart? Oh, I'm sorry. A couple days apart from each other. <laughs> right. Sorry. Your work wife. Go on. My work wife. Yes. <laughs> it was lovely. We had a great weekend in here in Los Feliz. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of walking. We actually <laughs> did this amazing walk downtown. I'm going to send you the photos, Christian. Okay. Last night around the Music Center and the DWP building and right. Upper Grand by Mocha, oh, down yeah. by the library and yeah. kind of all around that area. And a little bit of Pershing Square. We just did some classic L.A. sightseeing, and it was mm-hmm. lovely. And we had the most amazing sunset last night. And oh, it was so look gorgeous. At that. I bet it was gorgeous. Did, were there yeah. a lot of people out? Were there masks? Give me the vibe. There were masks. Mm-hmm. They were. There's a lot of people, not a lot, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. but people are out. People are walking. People are walking their dogs. Mm-hmm. A lot of masks. A few people not doing the mask thing. Yeah, but there's always a few. There's always a few. <laughs> there's always a few of those assholes. <laughs> there is a ton of, so you know, Upper Grand. I don't know if you've ever shot on it, but that's where every car commercial I've you know, ever done, Upper yeah. Grand. Um, I recognize it in every, it's got, in every Yeah, it's got one of those beautiful views of L.A. And there was no traffic. So people had pulled out their cars perpendicular to the traffic and getting photos of it. Oh, and, wow. you know, it was like That's people cool. were just on the street. There were skateboarders going down Upper Grand. And it was just, it was like a fun Sunday out and about. Hmm. That sounds it was really kinda, cool. It was a little lawless. I, I, but it was like, you know <laughs> that's what? The we're, best time. <laughs> we're fucking in week six. <laughs> go ahead, go skate down. <laughs> make the cars on on Upper Grand go around you as you skate down the middle of it. That's fine. Yeah, and I just uh, heard Governor Cuomo had suggested that you know De Blasio mayor shut down a bunch of streets so people could have places to go and hang. And I believe that that's finally going to happen because I just heard from the best governor in the whole wide world uh, that he's planning on extending past May 15th for New York City. Really? Okay. I mean, 
So not surprised. I'm not surprised okay. either. What did surprise me though, and I know that there were a bunch of statistics thrown up on the screen this morning, and I was, you know, I, I cut it short to get to the yeah. studio. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did see a few statistics though that I wanted to uh-huh. chat about because I know that there's uh, some hangups about money. Yes. Yeah. And stuff. And it turns out that the New York state is the number one state that gives money to the federal government. We give uh-huh. the most. And you take less than, than you give. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Feds. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turns out that Kentucky <laughs> is the third highest taker. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So there's your bell out, everybody. Yeah. So the time to be squabbling over money. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have uh, money is whatever. I mean, I understand that it has value, but in the end. <laughs> It's paper, right? And so we've built this whole structured system over, you know, what things are worth to people. And I just think that right now is not the time to, I mean, nobody is working. Nobody is earning a wage. But that's the reason why people in the states that are opening up are going back to work because they've not received their unemployment or their stimulus or PPEP or any of that stuff. And they've been sitting at home for six weeks and they need the money. Yeah. Kind of at their wits end right now. So here's something that Christian, you and I talked about over the weekend, and I want to put it out there because I have the same concerns you do about going back to work. A couple things. One, I want us to start doing crew safety roundtables. I know. I think this is an amazing idea. And so this is an open call to everybody out there who wants to take part. You know, we're producers. We're the facilitators of, of set operations. And mm-hmm. we need to hear from crew what they need to see or have on set or what protocols they want to have on set in order for them to feel safe enough to come back to work. We've been getting guidelines from different countries and different production companies on what, you know, we as freelance people are going to be required to implement, you know, us having a say and the crew having a say and what they feel comfortable with moving forward, I think is important. It's really, really important. And production companies and countries are just coming up with a plan, but I haven't heard anybody actually asking crew what they feel comfortable doing. So, so I want to do a series of them. We'll get three people on each episode, so that way not everyone's talking over each other. Three people from each department, preferably not teams, different people that don't work with each other. So that oh no, I think that's that's the brilliant idea. You know, like Mm -hmm. obviously they were they would work in tandem if they met. (laughs) Yeah, if they're a team, they they are all going to have the same opinion or agree mostly on what's right. So getting different teams together that don't know each other, haven't worked together. I think will foster a lot more conversation and, and creativity and could be good. So if right. anybody out there wants to be a part of this, reach out to us, producershappyhour at gmail.com. If you're a sound guy, if you're a PA, if you're a craft service person, we want to get you onto a roundtable and talk about the safety measures that you need to see on set for you to feel safe enough to come back to work. Yeah. And I do think that it's important that we hear from crew members and also PAs because, yep. like, let's face it, you know, who's enforcing the actual guidelines, right? Exactly. That's us. And whatever the guidelines wind up being, we have staff on to put them in place. So yeah. we need to hear from everybody. So, Lawrence, the CDC put out a list of six additional symptoms that you may experience if you really? have COVID. Yep. And here they are. Chills, repeated shaking with chills, muscle pain, headache, sore throat, 
and new loss of taste or smell. Now, the fact that the CDC is just now recognizing taste or smell, swear, everybody's been talking about losing taste or smell up until this point. So of course that's true. We keep finding out new things each day. Again, four months of, four to five months of understanding this virus is, you know, under their belts at this point. Mm -hmm. And what concerns me is, a little bit, is headache and muscle pain. Now, and I say that because... I understand that part of the guidelines coming back may be taking people's temperature. Right. Which I think is a little bit of a, you know, barn door's been left open and all the horses are out. Because by the time that you have the fever, you have been contagious for three to five days. Right. Yeah, I've always kind of questioned that. So if you're on a four-day shoot, and I get it, people are getting their temperature taken all over, and that's a sign, whatever. It's the sign that you can have without testing. That said, if you have a crew member come to work on day three, and they have a temperature, then what? You know, like, I just think that uh, there's so much to think about. And it concerns me. I do want to share that my doctor here in Brooklyn received a supply of the Abbott antibody tests. Really? Yes. And I was able to schedule an appointment to get tested for tomorrow at 2.45, Tuesday. Wow. I know. So I'm excited, not in a... (laughs) Not in a, we're going to Six Flags kind of way, but but I'm excited just because I'm happy. I'm I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. We're going to see what happens. We'll be done. Governor Cuomo today said that 7,500 of the people who were tested had antibodies, which in turn means 15% of the people tested, which is a pretty low number. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to dig into that a little bit more, guys, because I just got that information as we were coming on here. But that just seems to me like a pretty low number. So, again, I'm nervous about work opening up and gathering with people. I just am. Yeah. I mean, rightfully so. And how 30 and 40 year old people are dying from strokes. Yes. And they don't know how or why. Some sort of blood clotting that's happening. Yeah. And it's random. Going back to work is a bit scary. And I do want to talk about some guidelines that Variety mentioned before that, two little lighthearted things. Okay. <laughs> um, did you see, I put this link in here for this new commercial mm-hmm. by Uber, and it's mm-hmm. called Thank You for Not Riding Uber. I don't know if yeah. you guys seen it. It's pretty nice, I have to say. Out of all the stuff we've been seeing, all this like user-generated content, shot on iPhone, you know, montage kind of stuff, this one's mm-hmm. pretty sweet because I think the moments they captured, you can kind of relate to each of these moments, even if it's just a woman standing looking out the door. It's pretty sweet. So, I, you know, hats off to Uber, and it looks like it was made safely. We'll put that in the show notes. If you haven't seen it, just Google it. Thank you for not writing Uber. It's pretty nice. I saw this on, I believe it was during SNL, we were watching, and we were trying to guess, because all the ads were the same, who was who, who the ad was for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't choose Uber. It was great. Yeah, that's a good one. The other good news before I get into the Variety article is that Musso and Frank's Big classic staple restaurant here in Los Angeles, you know, always filled with Hollywood elite and all that kind of stuff. They have been keeping 84 employees on payroll. That's a lot. As the restaurant took a six-figure loss. But they've been keeping those men and women on their payroll. I love that. It's just like so touching and also scary. And I hope they can make it through this. Because they it's the kind of restaurant that has 
those real servers, those career yes. servers that just yeah. know how to get everything done so perfectly. And it's yes. it's a treat to go there and be served by them. Yes. So I'm happy to hear that they're keeping them on the payroll. That's great. Now, this Variety document it was put together by Brian Cavanaugh-Jones. Mm-hmm. And Chris Ferguson, they're from companies called Automatic and Oddfellows, and they put Mm -hmm. a proposal together called Isolation-Based Production Plan. And this is, of course, this is long form, so it's talking TV and features. But what they're suggesting is that at the start of production, people go into quarantine. And if it's like a distant location, they would take over a hotel that would be aggressively cleaned. No other people can be on that floor. They took over a floor, at least, Mm -hmm. right? So they'd all go into quarantine for two weeks before they even start production. Even maybe prep. Maybe they can prep during quarantine. I don't know. But they go into quarantine and then they right. split into pods. So yes. pod pod one is the onset cast and crew. Pod two is the base camp. And pod three is like set design, rigging, prep, that kind of thing. And I it's mean, a way to kind sense. of Those... keep minimal contact between the pods, but you still have enough labor there to do what you need to do. We'll put the link to the article from Variety into the show notes so you guys can read it. I'm sure everyone's seeing it. We'll post it in the Facebook group. But it's it's interesting. And I think it inspired me more and more to do our crew safety roundtables, just listening to it. Because there isn't any crew voice in there. It's just producers talking. Right. And I, that's what scares me, too. I mean, I've worked at every company. And I understand each one of them runs differently, but in the end, we always had this structure that we would go by, right? And it was usually union-based, but also, too, in the last 10 years working a lot of non-union jobs, you know, we have these things that we implement, and this is all new. Yeah. Today, I guess my word of the day, my feeling of the day is scared. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, uh, it's unknown what's coming down the pipe. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm right there with you. It's on your shoulders to be the, the ambassador of safety. It's big implications on the job, yeah. right? And if the job's not designed the right way for us to activate the proper safety measures, it's going to be a challenge. I do be a challenge, so. Yeah. And um, I guess I'm really nervous, too, about the understanding that uh, I'm hoping everybody has. Yeah. But in the end, I'm not, just not sure if uh, they're going to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... Here we are. So, Christian, should we get on with our interview? Yes. Okay. Before that, go to our website, producershappyhour.com. On that page is a page called Take Action. Uh, we have a lot of different causes that we've posted uh, petitions for and links to the no rent, donate blood, post office. Most important oh, thing I think we could have now. Save the post office, yes. <laughs> exactly. And several other things. Feed the freelancers. There's so much there. And I would love you guys to go take a visit and see what you can do. Yep. And also we have the cocktails page, which features videos from a local bar here in Silver Lake. And soon to feature Milo's Yard, which is in Queens, New York. All right, Christian, let's get on with the interview. Don Broida began his filmmaking career as a teenager creating surf videos with his family's camcorder. (laughs) He studied at University of Southern California and Cal State Northridge and followed his filmmaking passion into feature film editorial, where he built a successful career with credits such as Jason Moore's Pitch Perfect, which, I mean, come on, who doesn't love that movie? (laughs) Brett Ratner's X-Men The Last Stand and Howard Gordon's FX series Tyrant. 
I mean, I know all the words to Pitch Perfect, one, two, and three. <laughs> so this extensive editorial background gave Dawn a deep understanding of story, character, tone, and emotion, which helped make his transition to directing a seamless one. Dawn's work is recognized for celebrating the beauty of people and of life itself. His attention to detail and story have made him a sought-after director in the commercial world, and he has directed campaigns for such clients as P&G, Unilever, Fidelity Investments, and Chevrolet. Let's take a listen. Thank you so much for joining us today, Don. First, we'd love to check in, see how you're doing, how your family's doing. Where are you at? Are you in LA, New York? I'm in Los Angeles. Somewhere else? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm in Los Angeles, specifically Studio City. We're all doing great. Mm -hmm. Well, other than my grandmother's dying today, but that has nothing to do with COVID. That's just happens to be, (laughs) she's old. So sorry. Um, Uh, I'm sorry. She's old. (laughs) That's what I was reacting to. Sorry. She's old. Yeah, so it's sorry. her time. I'm sorry. We we believe we all actually, if you want to go down the route of COVID, we believe we all had it already. My brother's a firefighter in Santa Clara, specifically San Jose. His whole department got it very early on in oh. mid-February. He visited me in the middle of it, and then we believe we all got it. Really? We were able to get tested. His girlfriend tested positive. His other members of the fire department tested mm-hmm. positive. He didn't get tested until much later, in which then he was negative. So we kind of have a little bit different of a outlook because we're not necessarily overly scared of catching it because right. we because like a lot of people already actually have it. I mean, testing is so key right now because um, yesterday it, it was discovered that they feel the first person who died from it is actually February 6th instead of the end of February. So running rampant through, you know, California is what, yeah. what kind of, what kind yeah. of symptoms so, did you have? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah. Well, and I can give you the timeline. So my brother went to a, fire- the timelines. Hold on. Yeah, my brother went to a firefighters banquet on the 22nd, had direct contact with the guy that they believe gave it to him. They were tracked by the CDC. 22nd mm-hmm. of February. Um, yeah. 22nd of February. Okay. Exactly. Oh, okay. Uh, he then visited me on the 24th or 25th. And then on mm-hmm. the 27th, I came down with uh, a mild fever, a dry cough, headache. Right. And I was out for about four days. My fever always stayed around right around 100. And that was it. And I was tired. It felt a little bit different than the normal flu, just that my fever never really spiked and that it was right. longer. Mm. Oh, yeah. Other than that, I was in bed and then I was got up and I was fine. Did you have any of the night sweats? Mm, not really. I don't know. I don't think it was that far out of the normal flu. It actually felt better than the normal flu to me. For me, normally when I get the flu, you know, my temperature goes up to 102. I feel absolutely awful for about a day or two, and then it goes mm-hmm. away for me. This was, it just kind of sat at 100 for four days. So it was longer, but not as bad. Intense. Wow. Right. Wow. I don't know. I was never tested positive, I, and I haven't been tested. If I had it or not, we're just saying that it just because right. the timeline makes sense and the symptoms make sense, right? And if you didn't yeah. need a hospital, you weren't supposed to go. So unless you're really bad, we weren't getting. Te- we're still not getting tested. Yeah. And my wife then kind of got it after me. She got it mm-hmm. differently. She then tried to get tested. She told them the direct timeline that people around us are tested positive, and they didn't care. They just wow. said if right. you. Yeah, they said, unless you 
have had it for over two weeks or you're mm-hmm. over 50 or 60. It was, I think it was 60. They didn't mm-hmm. want you oh, to come in. Wow. That's wild. Well, I'm glad you yeah. are all healthy now again. Yeah. Good. We're great. Good. So let's, let's continue with that timeline because I'd love to know what was happening in your life and in your work up until the pandemic kind of shut everything down. Were you working? Did you have projects? Were you just recovering? No, uh, it was actually, well, starting prior to that, if you want to get into the projects, we have been really busy. I came from features, mm-hmm. I was a feature editor. And I switched to commercial directing about 10 years ago. I also write. So I've written about eight or nine features, developed a number of them. Nothing has been produced yet. This year was going great in commercials. Started off last year was fantastic. The beginning of this year was great. I had three projects lined up. One for Uh Poland Springs Water, which we were supposed to shoot in Mm -hmm. Mexico City Mm -hmm. at the beginning of February or mid-February, I think it Mm -hmm. was. That they pulled out three days before my flight. Oh, wow. Because of this, it was the brand was connected to Nestle. Nestle had mm-hmm. a no fly order and, right. you know, it all died. After that, mm-hmm. I think that I had a project overseas in South Africa. So I went to South Africa maybe March 9th, I believe. Oh, wow. Really? And- oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty it was, late. <laughs> and was it was it in your consciousness at the moment? Were you worried or uh, it, sick, it, was, right? it was? I was not worried about getting sick. I've been through mm-hmm. a decent amount that I wasn't worried about getting sick, okay. and I've traveled so much that mm-hmm. I wasn't really worried about getting stuck. My flight from I flew from LA to Detroit, Detroit to Paris, mm-hmm. and then Paris to Cape Town. My flight from LA, and this was I think on March 9th. LA to Detroit was packed. Mm. And then my flight Detroit to Paris was empty. Wow. Yeah, it was very, very empty. And then I came back on the 13th. We didn't end up shooting. I was shooting with the oh, wow, team. That from, Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like after Trump's, we're not letting people in from the uh, Europe. I think anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Europe, Europe specifically. Europe, yeah. Uh, yeah. And. <laughs> The people that I was working with were based out of Morocco and based out of Paris. And mm. the people specifically in Morocco kind of got very nervous and oh, yeah. they were worried they wouldn't be able to get back into their country. Mm-hmm. And so they called the whole thing off and they called it off at 5 p.m. At midnight, I was flying out. Wow. I had a flight Good. incredibly wow. fast. That's amazing. Since then, what is your board flow? Have you been chatting with clients? Have you been, has people been reaching out to see what you can do? Yeah. You know, like I said, I got back on the 13th. Uh, there was another project that we had after that that got canceled. Right. So you had three canceled jobs, basically. Three in a row. Yeah. yeah. Right. Actually, I wonder if it was four. I may have had four. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but there was one more that was canceled. And it was really just, we spent a good week or two of just kind Mm of hunkering down and, you know, being with our family, everything kind of went away. It was a real big kind of reset time about what's going to happen. Where is this going? And so all work went away. Right. Actually wrote a lot. So I continued writing. That's good. Yeah, it was very nice. And then kind of at that two and a half week mark, it was like, you know, we're filmmakers. We like to tell stories. And that's when I put that distant 
you know, yet close together. Yeah. And that was stock footage, other footage, and then about half was footage that I had shot. Mm-hmm. And that was really at the point, the height of, you know, everything. It just seemed like people needed, I don't know, or it just was maybe cathartic for me, uh, right. you know, to put together something that felt, you know, that it captured a period and that brought a little bit of joy. It's very emotional. Yeah, it's very emotional. And it's, it's a moving piece. We're going to put a link to it in our show notes. So you're repped by Spears and Arrows here in the States, right? Correct. Now, was that just, that was just something that came naturally, something you wanted to make and you created? Was it intended to show to agencies and to demonstrate how you can create work during during the quarantine? No, it was not intended to do anything except be more probably cathartic to me. I, you know, there's no place that I had for it to live. There was no place Mm -hmm. that I was not trying to get work off it. I was not trying for it to do anything. It was just simply, uh, you know, maybe my way of dealing with what was happening at the moment. That's what we do. We make things to, I don't know, because we want to. Yeah. Right. You can feel your heart in it. And I yeah. think that that's what, you know, emotionally and uh, just creatively you turned to make this to show how you were feeling. Yeah. And everybody in it, it, especially in the second half, is my kids and my family. And, you know, we're all chatting on Zoom. My son does Zoom guitar. That was my <laughs> son's preschool class on oh. Zoom. Oh. And so, and then those are my, my parent laws, you know, the, the joy that was captured, it was not fake. I mean, it was all very real and they were very fun. We just happened to be recording the screen while doing it. <laughs> right, right. Since then, are you in mm-hmm. any talks about any sort of remote kind of directing projects or anything to that nature? Probably going to get in trouble. <laughs> I shot yesterday and, and the day before. Really? What? <laughs> Yeah, you know, we getting. Yeah, what? (laughs) Telling everyone. Uh, We then, after I did that, it was kind of like, okay, like, you know, just kind of getting back on your feet. Mm -hmm. What can we do? What do we want to do? What's safe? What's, you know, what is absolutely no go? Mm -hmm. And we had started to get a few projects after that. This was maybe the beginning of. Or mid March, mid to late okay. March would mm-hmm. be my guess. Mm-hmm. We started to get a few very, very small things in terms mm-hmm. that were from agencies. And it was like, yeah. well, somebody's doing something. A lot of them kind of came and went. They were like, yeah, we're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had wanted to do a mini documentary just about, specifically, I had titled it The Taste of Tomorrow, and it was about hope and good food. Mm. And it was told about a baker and a farmer and just kind of bare Mm -hmm. fundamentals about like, you know, and it doesn't really focus on COVID. It's more just about our future and the hope and returning back to the basics and sustainability Mm. and living as a community versus being heavily reliant on other countries. A Mm. lot of the topics that kind of also about growth as people picking yourself back up. So kind of a lot of the themes that I think America is going through right now as a society, but Mm. really told through one farmer and one baker, you know, and yeah, and we shot that. It was two of us shot it with our one subject and we were out in the middle of a farm and we were 
practicing social distancing. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we we did that yesterday and the day before shot with a red. We had cook lenses. So we shot it professionally. It looks fantastic. But it looks really good (laughs) compared to the Zoom videos. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting, though, because a theme that we've talked about a lot here on the show is that um, our worlds have gotten really small, really quickly, right? Mm. Physically, we're confined to our living rooms. But also, you know, we're looking at where our food comes from and, you know, our local restaurants and local businesses. And now we're listening again to our governors and mayors. And so, like you're saying, focusing on sustainability and relying less on other nations and and focusing on providing for ourselves on a local level is an important theme, I think, that hopefully we learn from this whole crazy mess that we're in. Yeah, and, and that's not to say the world community is a bad thing. No, no, it's just, not at you all. Know, yeah. No, no, not at all. But, but I think that we start with like our smallest community, you know, our families, and growing out and not forgetting that the closer we are to that really small community, just being our family, then stepping out in our neighbors, and really remembering that we're here for each other, and mm-hmm. that at you know, specifically a time like this. And so that's why I focused on those two things. Plus, I love to cook. Uh I love to bake. And, you know, I love to tell (laughs) stories. And so I kind of was like, cool. Nice. (laughs) Sorry. Every time somebody says bake, I think of um, people trying to pass me their starter. Uh, <laughs> it's like mm, I'm good. Okay. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> I was into baking long before it was. Popular. No, I know, yeah, I know, go. but <laughs> it seems to be. Um, what excites me about what you just did? There's definitely the desire to help each other, and you know the information we get is so fast moving right now, and it changes daily. Like because we still don't really know as much as we'd like to about this virus. You know, we just don't know as much as we'd like to. But my personal desire to see the change in, you know, the ads, because all the brands came out, you know, were for you, got every email from every corporation I may have ever spoken to in my life telling me that they're here for me, right? And then, you know, the progression (laughs) of the, well, it's true. And then the progression of what we're seeing now and then going into, this feels like the next thing that I want to see is real stories of real people and how they're handling it, but also what they're going to be doing moving forward. Because yeah. I know we need to change, but <laughs> gives me hope. Yeah, moving forward is huge. Maybe loaded, but um, how do you think this experience is going to change you as an artist or affect your creative vision or has it or will it just enhance you? I mean, your work is already so much about connectivity and the human experience. Your reel is gorgeous. So to Christian's point, is this going to deepen that kind of connectivity or or change your lens in in some kind of way? I think there's two different things. Uh, You know, you have one, the logistics of moving forward and how do you start (laughs) shooting again? That's kind of Mm -hmm. one. And then you have the content and the the messaging of like moving forward. I have always been drawn to subject matter about connectivity, our, you know, just kind of the human condition, you know, our relationships with each other Mm. always from the very beginning. That's why we tell stories, whether it's, you know, a feature TV commercial, they all have that. Right. Moving forward logistically, I've that was our next question too, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) We're all on the same page here. Go on. (laughs) Yeah, because they're kind of linked. And I'll tell you something we did yesterday. So we have started to see more and more boards that they're trying to figure out how to shoot. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to figure out how to shoot. And, you know, like I said, I just just did a shoot that was two of us. 
you know, we all maintained social distancing, but we picked mm-hmm. the right subject matter. Mm-hmm. So we've started to see more. We've gotten boards that we have submitted to from major agencies. And yesterday we had a call with um, certain people from an agency that represents McDonald's. And I've shot about maybe 20 McDonald's commercials. Mm-hmm. And they're specifically really, really needing and wanting content. They want to basically continue messaging and they want to keep people working. They want to, Mm -hmm. you know, they want to keep going, but they want to do it safely and smart. And, you know, so the agency that I was speaking to, they were wondering, what can we do? How can we do this? What is our messaging? And we largely talked about how I had expressed that. I think that the themes and they agreed, you know, we don't want to highlight the virus or COVID, we want to focus on timeless themes of hope, of growth, you know, of family and connectivity and those things. And so I think moving forward, the only thing that I would want to do is I think that, you know, we have a very strong opportunity to bring hope and to just kind of remind ourselves that everything Mm -hmm. will be okay, that we will move forward, we will pick ourselves up and that we just need to be there for each other during this time and pull together and and remember that there is light at the end of the tunnel and there will be a time that we will all be able to be together mm-hmm. again. And I think those are more of the themes kind of like going forward. And with the McDonald's thing, we specifically spoke about, we didn't want to focus, you know, they didn't want to focus on people and PPE equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted to right. specifically focus more just on the timeless underlying themes moving forward of moving forward. Nice. That's good to hear. We, we, we're always talking about that. We're starting to get calls from work and, and our yep. trepidation as producers is like, oh, uh, what are the expectations of the brands and the agencies? And hopefully they align <laughs> with, you know, what we want to be putting out there and what we want to be working on. So that's good to hear coming from mm-hmm. a big client like that, that that's their concern and their what the image they want to put out as, as well. I think that it's too up to us to be the guide for that, you know, explaining what we're willing to do or not do. I absolutely know that there's a million of us out there. You can always find somebody willing to do a project that the client suggests. But that said, I think it's about our leadership and our expertise in the industry and what we feel comfortable with providing. Absolutely. It is, it is more than ever team. And we spoke about that. They are now talking about they'll bring us the concepts first to make sure we can achieve them safely before they even present them to the client. So there's kind of more steps Mm -hmm. that we really work closer as a team because they want to know what we can and cannot achieve at this point. And because we have this past and when you have kind of a past that they trust us that we will deliver what we say we can, that then they will trust. And when we say we cannot do this or this is not safe. They trust. Mm-hmm. And we'll also maintain a level of quality that way. Yeah. That, you know, yes, mm-hmm. you can find the person that will run out and break exactly. rules and stuff like that. But, you know, nobody wants to break rules. Yeah. Nobody right now. I mean, hopefully. Speaking of that, we've been running scenarios for weeks now. I'm sure you have too about how we're going to continue to work coming out of this and what all the different phases of work is going to look like. What we've been asking people is, and we haven't worked together, so I don't know your crew, if you've got like a, a crew that you rely on or if you change it up depending on the project, but what do you feel like you would need to see for you, your crew, your talent in terms of 
safety mm. or or best practices when we come back to say a shoot with 50 60 70 80 people does that scare you right now or you think it's we're ready to get back to that point or what would you need to see happen until then no i that's a complex question (laughs) (laughs) we ask the hard questions here Mm -hmm. on producers happy Mm -hmm. hour (laughs) riveting i think as of april 23rd you know which is today i don't think that shooting with 60 people is in any sort of future that i Mm -hmm. am aware of Mm -hmm or at least in the near future. I'm sure that it will return. I don't know any sort of timeline or the logistics of what will be needed. Shooting is such a complex thing to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you get into union shooting and, oh, yeah. and you have just the various unions that protect us. I'm part of the DGA, mm-hmm. which they want to see us work as well. They are here for us, but they're also here to protect us. And so there's going to be a lot of, I think, collective figuring out how and what is safe. I think that there will be a lot of changing. You will not just see a light switch flick and Mm -hmm. you will go from not shooting to 60 people. I think it'll be like what we did where it's just me and one other person. And then it'll be maybe me and three other people or for other people? And what can we achieve? And how can we tell stories safely? And then I think it will grow. And that's my feeling. As for when it returns to the 60 people, like what will be necessary to make it safe, other than a vaccine for this particular virus? I don't know. I I have, I'm sure there will be waivers. I know insurance will be a massive issue. No question. Because specifically, if you have a a star talent who goes down, that takes everything down. But we just don't want to put people in unsafe situations. We've been shooting for a very long time. I expect to shoot for the rest of my life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the number one thing on before this was safety, always safety. We never put our crews in dangerous situations because it's one thing. I'm not going to produce and make one project. I'm going to produce and make countless. And if one project brings me down, then all of the ones following don't get to be shot. And so for me, never is a moment or something worth putting anybody in danger. May I just say that that's so refreshing to hear from a director? It really is. Because you are the, well, you're no team leader. Yeah. It, this often comes from the top. Attitudes come from the top. Absolutely. Well, I work a lot with kids. I've worked around the world. And the thing right. is, is you just yeah. don't, you don't push. You, you push yeah. and, and then you listen and you have to stop. It is on you. I think people get blinded by this one moment and they don't understand that, hey, there might be a hundred more commercials after this. Do you want to, yeah. or a hundred more projects? Do you want to ruin right. all those projects for this moment? Like, is this really worth that? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Perspective. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, so um, yeah. do you have any words of advice for other creative people or production community right now of, we're all figuring it out at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that my only advice, I mean, I'm not really one to give advice, but I know for me, I think that we are all collectively trying to figure out what this is, what life is, what actually the farmer said it really well that I interviewed. We've lost our rhythm 
Oh, and, wow. and I oh. think that's what he said. He oh, said, I said, what's going on right now? <laughs> I know. May I ask what kind of farming? What, I, will it, is it too much to ask what kind of farming it was? <laughs> Absolutely. He's a farmer based in Lompoc, California, mm-hmm. just north of Santa Barbara. Yep. He has a sustainable organic farm that sells to like Whole Foods and Air One, and they do no pesticides. Like It's like, he was telling me, rosemary oil, stuff Mm. like that. They have uh, 220 acres, so they're not huge. They sell largely vegetables. They're not a tree farm, so it's not... It's not... It's um, it's dirt. It's dirt. It's It's a dirt dirt. farm. I grew up on a dirt farm, I know. (laughs) I grew up on a dirt farm. (laughs) It was very interesting, definitely. And that's why when I set out to kind of start telling stories in this environment like where do you go what do you tell how does it look and that's why it kind of felt right to me it was basic Mm -hmm. it was about community it's about without needing to go shoot a community yeah plus i love food (laughs) yes i know and uh it makes you appreciate it even more now because it's not as readily available as it used to be yeah, and I think now we're starting to see in headlines, like following this virus, we're having food supply issues, mm-hmm. food problems, what's happening to our yeah. food more than ever. Mm-hmm. We're reliant on food, and right. all of a sudden it's not available when we want, where we want, how we want. I like, saw some or listened to some podcast talking about, you know, Americans aren't used to going into the store, seeing the brand that they like, buying it and just taking it home. And, you know, now you go in right. and... It's such a silly American problem. It's like, oh, my God, my one brand of ground beef First isn't world. available. What do I do? And and, and then right. it starts to really wake you up to the process, the food supply, the people behind it, mm-hmm. how it works. And all of it shifted so quickly in a matter of a couple weeks from the people that sell sliced tomatoes that go to fast food restaurants now have nowhere to send them. Everything shifted and it really makes you very aware of where your food comes from. Yeah. But I think that uh, along with that, it's the, you know, sure, we've lost our rhythm, like he said, but it's getting back to the basics. And at the very core of me, I believe storytelling is a basic element that we've had since we, you know, since we had farming begin. And I think it's equally as important to tell those stories. And look, if it's a studio paying for the story, great. If it's a brand paying for the story, great. Like, I, I view that it's the same. It's become painfully obvious, and this may be getting slightly political, but it's become painfully obvious that we cannot rely on government to solely help everybody. I mean, it's painfully, right? We've noticed that there are brands out there that are stepping up to pick up the slack. You know, if the brand pays for it to get the message out, totally fine. I mean, I I know that there's corporate backlash a lot, but I think that we're going to have to somehow, that's where the money is. We have to embrace some of it, the ones who are doing good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Don, we want to thank you so much for spending some time with us and chatting today. Really really appreciate it. Your work is is really touching, and I recommend everyone to go check it out. We'll put a link to your reel in the show notes. But before you go, we would love to ask you if there's one thing that you miss or that you're looking forward to once we're able to kind of be around each other again and be out in the world, what is that thing? And it could be as simple as your favorite drink at a bar or world peace. <laughs> What's, what, what are you looking forward to once we're, once we're kind of back in each other's presence? Oh, man. It's a great question. What are we question. looking forward to? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, people.
yeah. You know, I, yeah. Uh, friends, family, mm-hmm. that's really it. You know, that's the only thing that we feel that we're missing right now. Yeah. You know, we walk in our neighborhood, so we're outside. We're okay with that. It's just the inability to give, you know, my mom a hug Aww. or the inability to see my wife's parents. It's, um, yeah. I think that more than anything is really just what it is in my children long to, you know, be with friends and I long to be with my friends. And there's just a massive disconnect uh, because we as people are social. And when we are not allowed to or should not for safety reasons, you know, interact with each other, um, I think it takes out a piece of who we are. And so I I love going to restaurants and I love, you know, Mm -hmm. going to a bar and getting a drink, but I love going to Disneyland. I love going camping. <laughs> Deep down, those are the only things is right. just Humans. simply being able to invite, you know, we see my parents and her parents every week and mm. to not be able to see them for months is very yeah. weird for our cousins to not be able to come over right. is, is, you know, or they come over, but they stay in the car and the kids are confused <laughs> right. and, yeah. you know, it's hard to it's, explain. Yeah. Why so no, confusing it, to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of smart. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people. That's lovely. Good answer. Yes. Not that there was a right or wrong, <laughs> yeah. but we, I like that one. There is no wrong answer. <laughs> no, I <laughs> Yeah. Don, thank you so much for spending some time with us and chatting. <sighs> I love doing these interviews. Um, <laughs> I love doing these interviews. They, I mean, oh. I know, I know what I mean right now is hope. <laughs> I just, I mean, we can be so clinical um, as producers, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like there's a formula we use. Every, every fucking job needs a camera and some crew members <laughs> and some talent a and a location. And it's a definite formula. But in the end, I think um, it is hope for humanity. Yeah. And the big pause, if it was, it's, please don't let it be for nothing. Oh, God. I know. So, um, thanks, Dawn, <laughs> <laughs> for allowing me to know that hope in storytelling is hopefully what we're going to get a taste of yes. next because I need yeah, it. We all do. We all do. All right. I think that. I don't As know what else to say. I mean, he said it all. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> he said it all. So, um, uh, the show was edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our unused but amazing music was composed <laughs> by Kyle Puccia. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We may have lost our rhythm, but it's coming back. We'll be back tomorrow. And until then, stay safe, stay connected, stay active, and please stay home and i'm gonna start with today to clean your damn phone <laughs> clean your <laughs> it's phone it's disgusting i'm looking at mine it's gross i'm sure yours is the same way wash your hands don't touch your face and if you leave the house it's so important listen if you can't afford a mask let me know i will mail you some all right wear a mask yes and be sure to send us your voice recordings or your emails share your story we're learning over these past six weeks that stories are so important and that's what's going to get us through this. So email your stories to us at producershappyhour 
at gmail.com. And Lawrence, if these lovely people out here want to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? They have two ways. LawrenceTLewis.com <laughs> or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. And Christian, how can they get a hold of you? Well, you know, the the weight of needing to update my website is so heavy. Um, <laughs> you can go, but just know that I'll be embarrassed. It's sisterchristianproduces.com. All right. Thank thanks, you until thanks tomorrow. Thanks to Tom Broida, and thank you all for listening. Oof. Bye.